Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and I wanted to discuss today a little bit of really about what I've been discussing in almost a part two to the the Antichrist Showdown Part 56, which was about the latter rain and the loud cry. And, and the reason why I want to do that is because I, I really believe, I really believe that we are all standing on the brink of uh, of the last days right now and, and that we're we are standing at the moment in history when this great event the, the outpouring of the holy spirit for the second time will bring the harvest to its ripening and the distinction between the sheep and the goats will become very very clear and I think we're I think we're standing on that moment right now, and I think many people. The reason why I think that is not just because I feel I feel such a strong urging from the Lord to cease from sin uh, recently, in the last year or so, in such a great degree uh, than I ever have experienced before. But it's not just me. I've also seen in other individuals and people I talk to throughout the week. Everybody thinks even even worldlings. <clears throat> to a greater or lesser extent, think that something is about to happen. And, you know, when you look at the stuff going on in Canada with the trucker protests and the authoritarian moves, you're, you know, you're just you're just waiting for the, you're, you're waiting because, you know, prophecy, you're waiting for the all-out, um, the all-out full-on persecution to come. So it's, it's getting, it's moving closer towards that. Everyone can see that, whether you're a Christian or not. Everyone can see that we are moving more and more towards tyranny some understand why others don't if you're a christian you understand that it's part of prophecy and it's 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 really our own fault one of the things i had been thinking about over the last couple of weeks was we've had so many different types of governments throughout the history of this world we've had various variations of limited and unlimited governments coming from dictatorships and absolute monarchies to total democracies and mob rule to republics of all shapes and sizes, constitutional monarchies, constitutional republics, uh, freedoms of the individuals versus communism. We've just had everything and in between on the spectrum on on this earth's history and if you include the biblical history in that which you should you can see you know in judges where a republic was set up they didn't have a king they had a judge and the judge would rule for a certain amount of time and then another judge would be raised up later and the problem in judges is people did what was right in their own eyes and <clears throat> i think it's just proof positive the reason why the elders in Revelation cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus is because this earth's history proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that not only Satan can't rule, but there's no person that can rule fairly with equity and, and without cruelty, you know, injustice and mercy and grace. There's no type of government that's safe. There's no oligarchy. If sin enters into a country, 
It doesn't matter whether the people have a constitutional monarchy or a constitutional republic or not. It doesn't matter if they have rights or not. If people become sinful and begin doing what's right in their own eyes like they did in Judges, then their, their time of rule will come to an end. The, t the tyranny will take control because they left themselves open for that tyranny. And this earth's history, again, proves that the people can't rule, uh, oligarch oligarchies can't rule, like a group of people. You can't have elected officials rule. You can't have uh, a divine right believing sort of monarch to rule or an emperor or whatever you want to call them, sultan or whatever. No one, no one is fit to rule except Jesus Christ. And that's why, that's why I believe the elders cast their crowns before them. Because they know, even as angels, even as unfallen beings, even as uh, unfallen, uh, not unfallen, but individuals like Moses and Elijah who are in heaven right now, those individuals know they can't rule either. Only Christ can rule. Because only he's worthy to rule. He's shown that he is the benevolent, loving, selfless ruler with the lightest yoke in the universe. And he's the only one who's worthy. He's the only one who can handle it. And that's why he deserves it. So today I wanted to talk about the latter rain and the loud cry. But I wanted to do it in context of some of the stuff that happened in France so it's going to kind of tie a few things together. It's going to tie the last sermon I did on the latter rain and the loud cry, which is found in Revelation chapter 18. It's going to tie that with some of the stuff that happened, the two witnesses in particular that were clothed in sackcloth and eventually attacked by, by the kingdom of atheism, which was France uh, and moving forward communism. And also, it's going to tie in the, la the latest Daniel Revelation talks. And the reason why is because I think this topic is so important. As I said, I think, I think we're living in the moments where this is about to take place. So I think it's important for us as a people to study and understand what is the latter rain and how do we receive it. Because we want to be that people that receive the latter rain so that we can go out and preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit and do everything in the power of the Spirit and bring the works and our fruits and everything to perfection in the power of the Spirit, not through our own strength, but through His, because anything less than that will be a failure. And where there's that failure, there will, you'll be thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's not how we... We want this story to end. So we all are struggling with different things, whether it's sins or distractions. But the most important thing that we can do each and every day, we're going to find out today. So I wanted to start off with a verse from Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, where, where the prophet here is discussing the latter rain. It says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain so the lord make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field 
Now, before I continue, I just want to point out that we have to ask the Lord for the latter rain. That's what we should be doing. We should be asking the Lord for the latter rain. That's how you receive it. God doesn't just give you uh, random stuff, especially a especially an event like this. This is something that God's people need to be asking for. God's people need to be asking to be the 144,000. And I know, I know that they are out there. We see, you know, many times when you look, you look at prophecy, it, it's rarely, if ever, fulfilled in the way you think it's going to be. And I was talking with a colleague at the, at the, at the church, and we were, we were talking about, we were talking about the shaking and we're seeing the shaking take place. God used COVID-19 and, and some of these, the money and the mask mandates and the, the vaccines and all that stuff, used that stuff to, to sort of cause a shaking among God's people. And it's quite interesting to see the people that are standing up for truth are being pushed out of the churches. So as we were told in prophecy that those who were uh, in the wrong, God would shake out. But what if there's only one person in a church? Well, then that person would come out of that church and the people, though, they, though they're staying put, they don't realize in a spiritual sense they've been shaken out away from that one or two or three individuals. And those people who have been disfellowshipped who put their trust in the Lord, go on in the Lord's strength. So it's kind of interesting that the shaking is happening in this way, that we see, this is what we see. We see not what we would expect, which would be a few bad apples. I guess when you first read it, you think a few bad apples, and they're shaken out, and then God's people are united, and they, they move from strength to strength. But that's not the case at all. The case is much like Earth's history has always been, the truth is never a majority uh, accepted popular thing. And so in the last days, it's no exception. The, the, the masses, the majority, even in the church itself, even in the Seventh-day Adventist church, they, they, they buck at the message. And they, they buck at the truth. And they buck at those that would rather keep the eight laws of health than Fauci's laws of health. So this has caused the first rumblings, I believe, and uh, uh, really starting to pick up here, but I think it's going to pick up a lot more, the shaking time. And you can see, quite ironically, as many times the Bible is, that there are people that are being disfellowshipped, being pushed out because they've taken a stand on vaccines, because they've taken a stand for liberty of conscience, because they've taken a stand for true health principles, and they've called out some of the problems going on in the church, whether these are pastors or laity, and they've been forced out of the church. And you don't hear many of these voices. You don't, but they are, they are out there. And I made a statement in the last one of the last videos talking about that, how I haven't heard the many voices but you know as i thought about it more i realized that i'd never gotten so many phone calls in the last year that have been so important uh, as i have just in these last couple years so i know there are warriors out there so in a sense i do 
I do want to make sure that everybody knows out there that for those who have uh, talked with me, whether it's through uh, YouTube or, or giving me a call or through the email or, 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 or however we got in touch with each other, I appreciate, I appreciate the folks that are standing up for the truth and, and, I, and I pray to God that if I'm faithful, I will remain standing with you. Uh, so I wanted to continue the verse here. It says, verse 2, For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way as a flock. They were troubled, because there was no shepherd. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. So a couple, there's, it's so loaded with, um, you know, spiritual truths there. But as we know, the sheep and the goats uh, that God separates and the fact that there's no shepherd to, to truly lead the flock, it's, it's very similar in the day, just like in the days of Christ, will be what this, look, what this looks like for the outpouring of the latter rain. I also wanted to read a quote here from Signs of the Times, March 15th, 1910. From Mrs. White, she says, The outpouring of the Spirit in the days of the Apostles was the former rain, and glorious was the result. But the latter rain will be still more abundant. What is the promise to those living in these last days? Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Ask of the Lord rain in time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Christ declares that the divine influence of the Spirit was to be with his followers unto the end. But by some, his promise is not appreciated as it should be. Its fulfillment is not realized as it might be. Learning, talents, eloquence, every natural or acquired endowment may be possessed, but without the presence of the Holy of the Spirit of God. No heart will be touched, no sinner one to Christ. When the disciples are connected with Christ, when the gifts of the Spirit are theirs, even the poorest and most ignorant of them will have a power that will tell upon hearts. God makes them the channel for the outworking of the highest influence of the universe. As the divine endowment, the power of the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples. So it will today be given to all those who seek a right. This power alone is able to make us wise unto salvation and fit us for the courts above. Christ wants to give us a blessing that will make us holy. These things have I spoken unto you, he says, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Joy in the Holy Spirit is health-giving, life-giving. In giving us his Spirit, God gives us himself, a fountain of divine influences to give health and life to the world. And again, that's Signs of the Times, March 15th, 1910. So the outpouring of the of the Holy Spirit in a prophetic sense has happened to, uh, happened once, and it's going to happen uh, uh, for a second time. The former reign was meant to give power to the gospel as the message of the, the Messiah that had fulfilled the prophecies went forth throughout the entire world. The gospel's or the, uh, the apostles, rather, were given special uh, endowment by the Spirit of God 
for that particular work. And whatever talents they had, they all were consecrated to the Lord and everything was done in service. And in the latter reign, it will be much similar. Mrs. White talks about a return to primitive godliness. She talks about a return to a simplistic sort of faith. And that's what we're going to expect to see in the latter reign. But what's so important about all of this is that the Holy Spirit is the actuator in all of this. So just like the ten virgins, some were wise, some were not wise or foolish. They all put some oil in their vessels, but not all of them had enough to keep them burning. So that when they woke up, they the wise ones trimmed their lamps and they were able to move forward to go see the bridegroom. Whereas the the foolish the foolish ones were looking for oil and they're asking for oil from the wise ones and they were not able to enter because the wise ones could not give their oil to them because they needed it for themselves. They only had enough for themselves. And oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Remember that whenever someone's anointed in the Old Testament, I'll give you a perfect example. Like King Saul, when he was anointed, he was anointed by Samuel. After that anointing, the Spirit of God came upon him and he was prophesying. Right? He prophesied and it was proof positive not only that he was the true king, of course, the folks didn't look at it that way, but that's what the, that's what the, that's what anointing actually meant. It meant being anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why it says in Acts chapter ten that Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit. You see the connection with the New Testament and the Old Testament. There gives the complete picture. The Spirit of God is symbolic of oil. So the Holy Spirit is very important so what am I getting at here this is what I'm saying any individual who's going to be a recipient of the latter rain is going to be somebody who is a a constant partaker of the Holy Spirit of God so this is this is going to be someone not someone who who lives in sin and is waiting for the moment when the Sunday law comes to get their act together. This is somebody who is seeking the Lord daily, remembering their vows that they they gave before they gave their baptism, or before they performed rather their baptism. And this is going to be somebody who is constantly learning, studying, reading the Bible, learning what the will of God is, whether it's learning how better to reach other people, and pursuing that, doing Bible studies with other folks, or, or and or I would say, you know, studying the Bible and growing closer with the Lord. So it's going to really be a combination of those things. But it's it's people that love God. In the end, it's people that love God and are are trying to partake of His Spirit. They're trying to live righteously. They're trying to keep His Ten Commandments. They're not trying to do it in their own strength. They're trying to do it in the power of the Spirit. So they're daily seeking the Spirit. They're seeking the Holy Spirit to be in their lives to give them the strength that they don't have. The people that don't seek this 
are not going to be the recipients of the latter rain. So we have to really think about which category we fall into right now. Now, the, the, the positive of this message, if, if, if the response is negative in your heart where you say, oh, no, I have not been this person. Well, the, the positive of this message is, is that there's still time that you can be. There's still time that you can allow the personal former reign to work in your life so that you might receive the prophetic, personal and prophetic latter reign. So how do we make sure that we receive the former reign? Ironically, the answer is found in Revelation chapter 11 and the two witnesses. And I want to take a look at these two witnesses because the two witnesses are unlocked in the Old Testament. And remember, the two witnesses are all in context of the French Revolution, which was a total denial of God's existence and a pursuit of licentiousness, debauchery. So, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3 through 8 says, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand, or a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. So the two witnesses would prophesy for the time period of the Dark Ages. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. Now that beast out of the bottomless pit represents Rome. One of the heads of that beast, I believe, is uh, atheism, which is part of the same beast. That's why it says the beast from the bottomless pit. That's what I see there. And it overcomes them and kills them. So the beast from the bottomless pit comes out and destroys these two witnesses. Now, who are the two witnesses? I know if you've listened a couple of weeks ago, I actually just flat out came out and said um, what they were and who they were. Um, but I want to prove it today. So I before I actually mention who it is, Unless you've already caught that one, you already know where I'm going with this. But before I actually say who it is, I want to take a look at a couple of verses. Because it says, it says in Revelation chapter 11, it says that these are the two, in verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. So, what is... A candlestick for a candlestick is supposed to give light so if we look in scripture for a something that talks about light we can quickly find that well obvious the obvious is that Jesus is the light of the world so if we go so like somewhere in the New Testament for instance John chapter 8 and verse 12 it says then spake Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. So we become lights when we partake of the Holy Spirit by following Christ. 
But if you look at Psalm 119, 105 and 130, and we actually read this in the Daniel Revelation talk between me and Pastor Hughes, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And verse 130 says this, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And you got to remember, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he also says, I am the word of God. That's one of his names. That's one of his titles. He is the word of God. So these candlesticks have to do with the word of God. Now there's two of them. So it becomes, very quickly, it becomes obvious what they are. Do you know anything that has to do with the word of God, which you could separate into two? Of course, the Old and the New Testament. But if you actually look at it a little deeper, you can also see something quite interesting, which is that in verse 6, it says, These have the power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Who is represented by this? Well, the, the one who called for it not to rain was Elijah. So you have Elijah there. It says, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now, this has to do with which individual in Scripture? Moses. Moses. Moses, the one who turned the water to blood in Egypt. So you have Moses and Elijah. These are the same individuals that were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were the same individuals. And the reason why they're there on the Mount of Transfiguration and in this prophecy here is that they are representative of all of God's people. They represent both experiences of God's people. God's people either die and will be resurrected unto life or they will not see death like Elijah and they will be brought to heaven and brought to Christ without ever seeing death. They will be instantly changed. So you have the two experiences of God's people throughout all history being represented by both Elijah and Moses. So what's so important about this is that Elijah and Moses, as I said, represent all of God's people. So whatever, whatever these candlesticks has to do with would be something that would be important for all of God's people in all ages. In other words, this, these two witnesses, which are the Old and New Testament, these are the key to success for every Christian that has ever walked the face of this earth. From Adam, from his son Abel, Enoch, and on all the way down to the last days. This, These two witnesses are the keys in which God has a relationship with his people. And this is the key, the goal, the success, the salvation, the way, and how Christians have found the path home. And the answer is found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. It says this, and then I'm going to read uh, 11 through 14 after. And the angel talked with me. The angel that talked with me came again and waked me. And as a man that is wakened out of his sleep, and he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I, look, I have looked, 
and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, and a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and the two olive trees, one by the right side of the bowl and the other by the left side thereof. And so I spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So the oil that comes into the bowl that feeds the lamps, which gives the light, right? It says this, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. So it has everything to do with the word of God. And then what's the message that goes with that? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, our works our personal works, us, they will die. And we will have works in the Lord. We won't white-knuckle this thing. We will be, we will attain righteousness and justification by faith alone. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, work. So it all has to do the word of the Lord the two candlesticks, right, or the candlesticks, the two olive trees where the olive oil is flowing into the bowl and from the bowl into the lamp feeding the light, that means that as we read the Old and New Testament and we study these things out, we receive a special power, the oil, and the oil is the Holy, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit feeds our lamps so that we are able to give light to others. Isn't that beautiful? That's how it works. This is the key. And this is why Moses and Elijah are there. Because this is representative of every successful Christian's experience. Whether they knew they were a Christian at the time or, or not. This is the experience of every Christian throughout time is reading the scriptures, understanding the scriptures, and then having the spirit being given unto them. Now we know there was a time period, obviously the 1260 years, where the two witnesses preach clothed or prophesy clothed in sackcloth. And we know that the Lord still was able to save people during that time. But by and large, if if the scriptures are available to somebody and they don't read them, that's a problem. So I think that's what we're really discussing here. Any person living in the United States or any free part of the, the world, most of the world, uh, doesn't, have that, doesn't have that excuse. They have the word of God available to them at the drop of a hat. And each and every one of us needs to be reading the word of God, studying it, and learning straight from God himself through his word to us, speaking to us. And that's going to be the victory. That's going to be the oil in your lamp. That's why the most important thing you can do in a day is have devotion time. 
So it jumps down to verse 11. It says, Then answered I and said unto him, These are the two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left thereof. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Almost the same exact verbiage as you see in Revelation chapter 11, where it talks about these two witnesses in verse 4. It says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Almost the same exact verbiage in Zechariah chapter 4. So that's what I want to leave you with, folks. If you if you have not received the, the personal former rain in your life, it's not too late. Start taking that, that devotion time every morning very, very seriously. It's the best thing. It's the most important thing you're going to do throughout the day. And then trust the Lord. Be justified by faith. Don't overthink it. Ask the Lord for more faith if, you, if you're lacking in this area. Ask Him to come into your life and show you the way and give you strength to do His work and that His will would be done in your life. I'm Cody Moore and you've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. We'll catch you next time. God bless.